Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I'm joined with the one and only J.D. Rogers. What's up? And Mrs. Laura Eldridge. Hey, y'all. Hey, buddy. Welcome back, man. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Y'all recording yeah, we without me? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, you, were, you were missed. Yeah. We y'all going to sure. be without me, I think, next week. Oh, oh man. It's all right. Man. This is how you tell us. Yeah. Well, um, hey, we, we prayed for you then, and um, just we're, we're grieving along with you as we shared with them. Thank you. a tragic loss and a friend, and, but glad that you're back. And, and um, man, what are we talking about? Yeah, today we're going to talk about why are church sermons boring? Oh. Why are most church sermons boring? That feels like a shot fired in my direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> and David, this is an intervention. <laughs> the, pe- the people requested. Oh, man. They've been emailing info at theporch.live, like wow. you said. Wow. We got lots of feedback for you, and I'm here to share. Oh, my goodness. But I- for real, like, I mean... Most people, they go to church and they, they roll their eyes because they're like, oh, got to get through this 30 minutes to get to the Chinese buffet after. Uh, that is so gnarly, JD. <laughs> I will never understand your affection for Chinese buffet. Dude, we ate a Chinese buffet every Sunday Me, up. Me too. It's a thing. It is such a thing. Oh and uh, you can bring the bulletin and get a discount. Yeah, I don't think it's a Dallas <laughs> thing. I think I think yeah, people in yeah. Dallas are just too, too pretentious or yeah, stuck bougie. up. Well, count me like, in that crew, and I'm not a Dallas girl. A buffet. Yeah, they're they're going to like True Food and Flower Child. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, take me to my Cosina. Yeah, exactly. as you sip your topo, Dallas girl. I know. Okay, real talk. Anyways, don't let's not throw names out. Mm-hmm. But um, did anyone grow up in a church that you would say the sermons were boring? I'm not talking about here. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to. I would know. I, I, I mean, my dad was my pastor. Oh, and he gonna... and he was the opposite of boring. I mean, I questioned my salvation every single week because <laughs> I was like, "This was so good." But that's amazing. I do remember there being speakers when it was there at bat. Yeah, being like, "Oh man, oh, <laughs> yeah. my nap time." <laughs> Dude. <laughs> or checking cell phone or you know what I mean? So some of it's probably age. I just remember going to a church or, or there were several different churches and, and I'm sure it was the user error, not, not the messages, but they were, I don't remember anything about them. I just remember my mom poking me if I was falling asleep or um, getting in trouble with my siblings totally. yeah. sitting there. Like, yeah, that would have been me. I feel like a lot of people have that common experience, yeah. which is yeah. why we're talking about this and the errors that, that happen in preaching. And they Man. equate it to like church in general. Yes. It's like church is boring because yes. that guy up there, what he if that's what this is, like that's boring. Maybe even further, God is boring. Yeah. 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 This is all just boring. Following Jesus is boring. Yeah, totally. I did grow up in the switch between, you know, when it was like all hymns. And then somewhere mm-hmm. in the 90s, it was to switch to worship, like... like uh, drum set was introduced. Yes, drum yeah. set comes in. And then you start Bunch having two services. Yeah. And yep. one's like the sleeper service. And the next one's like h- hype. Yes. Yeah. Kids these days will never know. Oh, like, never. They'll never know what it was like back then to like, open up your hymnal. Never know. Like, they're like, the isn't hymnal. that a Shane and Shane song? You know, yeah, they're they like, please <laughs> turn to 201. Yeah. Yes. And we're going to sing holy, holy, holy. Dude, that is so And so you're real. like singing the piano notes. You don't know what they mean. But, yeah. Um, like, Open the Eyes of My Heart was like 
revolutionary. Yeah, it yes. was the modern day, what a beautiful name. Whoa. Like, totally. So, um, and it divided churches. Like People are like, uh, that's the devil's music. Uh-huh, yeah. Rock guitar. Especially the Baptists. But um, I would, I just want to say, you know, I think why we're also talking about this is because we're not saying, hey, we're experts. Like, we're not saying the porch has it figured out or Watermark has it figured out. We're like the most, the best place to be, the best sermons ever. I think, though, what we constantly get feedback from our people is, hey, you guys do a really good job of talking about things that are really relevant to me. And you're talking about things that most people don't talk about from behind the pulpit. Yeah. And then, but you also don't um, lose sight of the word of God and truth. So David, just speak to that, like the, like how we deal with that balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, like you said, hey, we have not figured this out, but we at least are obsessed about trying to figure it out constantly. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, always thinking through the lens of what I think is the single most overlooked or one of the single most overlooked things of like, man, how do I make this relevant? And by relevant, I don't mean um, supreme shirt needs to be worn and, <laughs> and, um, golden you know, goose and golden goose or like you look, Gucci belt. you look a certain way you can be relevant and be the most out of, it has nothing to do with style by relevant. I mean, relevant to my life. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's relevant to the Monday through Saturday. It matters. It matters. Both it matters, but also like, oh dude, you, you live in the world that I live in. Mm-hmm. Like you use language I use. Yeah. You're talking to the common person. You're talking to the average ordinary experience of what it looks like to live in America and be a 20 something and walk through trying to find, uh, you know, somebody to date. And even how you talk about dating is not like a stale version. It's like, it just is real. You're human. Yeah. You talk about the butterflies that come when that first time you guys in accidentally kind of touch each other or first time you hold hands and you're like, oh my gosh, this is happening right now. And you just are, are talking about, or about how tempting it can be to want to push sexual boundaries with that person you're dating. You're just saying, I get it. I know. And God's word speaks to that. And so I think most sermons where they fail, or a lot of sermons fail, and you guys tell me if you disagree, because there's probably something else. They they either fail in not giving people God's word, which is which is what we bring to the table. Yeah. And if they don't fail there, and by failing there, they just man, I'm just going to tell you some. It's all feel puppy good story. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's feel good. It's a motivational. You can speech. do this exactly. Opinionated, yes. experience based. Yes. They either fail there or yeah. they fail in step two, which is taking God's word and connecting the dots and how it connects to your average ordinary life, or not ordinary life, your extraordinary life, but the life that you live in your day-to-day. And this is where I think Jesus was such a trailblazer and a perfect example of this, mm-hmm. is that he just spoke to where people were, where he would tell stories about, hey, you guys have seen what it's like when uh, you owe a debt. And he would tell a story about a man who was in debt, and he's going to give a parable, which is a story that was given for a specific point. And he tells a story of an occasion where everyone would have known what that was like, yeah. or the Good Samaritan, these legendary stories where he goes, hey, there was a man who's walking on the road, just like all of you guys, you walk on the road, and he talked to the average ordinary Joe, and he wasn't some um, high religious teacher that used words they couldn't understand. He used stories and language and words to show people what God is like. So I, I think as um, you know, those who try to teach, which JD and I do, and Laura does, and and we just obsess about what is, we call it reading mail, which may be TMI, but anytime we do a message, we're constantly going like, man, what are the things? How does this actually struggle? How does it play it on my life? Like, how do I really actually struggle with this? And how is 
the different people that are represented. The guy who's just graduated college, he's trying to find his job. The girl who's 28, who's wondering- Why she's still single. Why am I still single? And the, the, the dating couple that they're honestly not believers and they're not even sure that Jesus is relevant to their life. Like how does this God's word connect with all of them? But what would y'all add? I mean, we literally yeah. sit around and talk about this all day long and we were sitting here talking about it and I was like, well, we should do a podcast on this because I think- Tragically, most people don't know to what you said earlier, JD. They don't know that um, God isn't boring. They've had an impression yeah. of following Jesus being born. And the abundant, most exciting, most adventure filled life that God calls us to comes by surrendering Him. The most boring life comes by surrendering to our own appetites, desires, living for the weekend. Man, I'm just going to do everything that I do. I'm going to do the same thing every weekend. I'm going to go to the bar, I'm going to get drunk, try to get some action, and then go home. And you don't even realize. Think about your life. You're blowing your 20s and you do the same thing every day. That's not exciting. Yeah. It's stale. It's boring. It, it, um, it's basically a way of coping and numbing with the fact that, man, I'm not really happy with life, so I'll at least be happy for a moment. And, so um, true. So anyways, that's why we obsess about it is trying to make sure that we don't wrongly give the perception um, that people would associate that God is disconnected from their life because the word of God has so much to say and is so relevant still today to our lives. But what would y'all yeah, add? Yeah, I would add this because you mentioned this and it's just taking it a layer deeper because you mentioned one side where people are completely culturally uh, relevant. It's just motivational. And then the other side where it's just like, you just gave me a, uh, not like a message, a dissertation on Bible stuff that I'm like, I don't even know how that matters to me. And the read mail thing that you said is so important. And even you just gave us a great example about you walked through the boring life and what people are experiencing and thinking. I think that's one thing that preachers fail to do is to stop and think about their audience. Like who is listening and, and why is this relevant to them? I'm not getting up here so that I can fill my cup and, and be somebody like I'm getting up here to serve the people who are in the crowd, yep. they have needs that are real. They're thinking thoughts. They're having doubts. They, uh, they're here to to be fed. And and I think what you do, both of you guys do so well, is you stop and think about like what does that person need? What are they thinking? And let me let me share them because they don't. I don't think they know that the Bible is relevant to that, but yeah. it is. And I, th- I think what's really cool about what what this forces me to do is be around people who think differently than me, yeah. live different than me are not where I'm at spiritually. And it forces me to get out of my Christian bubble and stay relevant in the world. And like, what are they receiving? What messages are they receiving? What truth, what relative truth are they believing? Where are they getting their information, their facts, their trends? Like where are they getting all of that? So that way I can speak to it according to the word of God. And I think a lot of times what what you hear in the church all the time, which is really good and what you have to do primarily is they say, what was the author's intent? So when you ask yourself, hey, what was the author's intent of writing the book of Romans? What made that author so good and Romans so relative is that author thought about the the reader, the recipient of that letter. And so just like if you're going to think about the author's intent, you have to think about the recipient of that letter in the same way. Like you can't just think about the author's intent, author's intent without also thinking who is he trying to reach? Because humans are the same. The same people reading Romans in the Bible times are the same. We're all, I mean, we're the same. We are like, yeah, we have different experiences. Yeah. Culture's changed. Yeah. Technology's changed. But what to our core, the things we long for, yep. things we desire, the things we want to know are the same. And like writers like Paul and Matthew and Mark and those guys, like they, they knew that they got that. And ultimately like God was like writing 
the Bible in a way that he knew, like, I want this to live for generations and be relevant for generations. Yeah. Yeah. And so that way we could read it today and it could change our life. And so it's such an emphasis, like you said, there, there, you have, you have to hear me when you prepare sermons, you have to think about what the author was meaning to say. You can't make about what you want to say or your experiences, but you also can't forfeit that uh, to not think about the recipient of what you're trying to communicate. What's so interesting, this is the last thing on this. What's so interesting is that Jesus did that too. And he literally spoke differently depending on who he was talking to. He spoke differently when it came to the Pharisees and when it came to the disciples. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's it's really cool to model think that. Think about your people. Yeah. It's knowing your audience. It, it, uh, it makes me think of Acts chapter 17, okay. where Paul goes into the city of Athens and he does what we're talking about. And, um, and hopefully this is helpful, or maybe it'll at least explain why we cover the stuff that we do, which is to help, because our passion is to help a generation understand God's word is so relevant to your life. Yeah. But Paul goes into the city called Athens. Athens was a place where um, there's other writings outside of the Bible that says there were more gods than people there. And by gods, it just meant idols. There were a bunch of statues and Paul walks around and he sees all these different statues. They even had a statue that said to the unknown God. So there's a big statue, there's gods everywhere. So there's people worshiping everything. Wow. And um, the unknown God was a statue that they had just in case we missed one. So in case... You know, they got Zeus, they got Ares, they got all these different people. And it's like, well, what if, what if we missed Carl? Carl's a God up there. And if we miss him and we're not worshiping, he just shows up and he's going to be pretty ticked. So we, <laughs> we'll just have this one in case he shows up and we're like, oh, Carl's here. Carl, we, we just didn't know your name. And so they were very religious. They just didn't have very much certainty. And Paul looks and walks around the city and it says he's distressed in Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Such a relevant top, or passage to this conversation. And he's distressed because he saw that the city was full of idols. So he looks and his heart breaks for these people. And then he wants to share with them and connect with them where they're at. So what does he do? He leverages the fact that they have an unknown God statue to go, hey, you have uncertainty. And I want to bring certainty and clarity to your uncertainty. And he goes and he gives a speech at the Areopagus, which is basically like the... um, uh, it's where Socrates was. It was basically a place where you could go and people are debating philosophical ideas and Paul shows up and he's like, hey, men of Athens, I see you're very religious, but you don't have very much certainty and the unknown God that you have, I'm here to tell you his name. And he begins to launch into a conversation about Jesus. So he leverages meeting them where they're at and then he does something that I think is brilliant and has impacted me for a really long time just in like knowing your audience, just knowing what people think Uh, are familiar with and talking to them because you can be theologically correct and really boring. Totally. And you can be theologically correct and not um, help people understand how it's relevant to their life. And he quotes two Greek poets. Greek poets at that time would have been like, they're pop stars today. Greek poetry was something that only, that means very famous, very few people were published. He quotes these people who were published. One of them's Epitomes and the other one is Erastus. And he quotes, they're not Christians, and the quote of, for in him, we live and move and have our being. That's from Epitomes. He quotes again in Titus, the same author. He was familiar with some of the Greek, who's who, wow. the language they were speaking. It'd be the equivalent of quoting Drake. That, That's you know, so cool. Hey, even mm-hmm. Drake says- that God's plan. God's plan. God's plan. <laughs> Everyone's looking for God's plan. You know, we heard it from Drake. And, uh, and he quotes a direct line from them. And then he quotes a direct line from a book called Phenomena, which is an Erastus work. It's another Athenian. So he meets them exactly where they're at. And he references two different people that they know of, for indeed we are his offspring, is another quote. And he even says, as some of your own poets have even said, for, in, or for we are indeed his offspring. But point being, he just modeled that he could have quoted from the Old Testament. 
And I'm not saying that that would have been wrong, but that entire passage where the entire speech that he does, he's talking to people that don't know the Old Testament. He doesn't reference one time. He basically says, there's an unknown God. His name is Jesus. God has made himself known through the person of Jesus. And through that one man, all people can be saved. As some of your own poets have even said, in him, we live and move and have our being. And he just meets them where they're at. And I I think- um, He says that in one of his verses, he's like, I became all things to all people. Yes. Jews, I became Jews. Greeks, I became Greeks. Like it's, it's interesting that he saw the importance of getting down to people's level and speaking a language that they can understand. Yes. And I, I want to talk about two things in terms of how we think about our sermons not being boring. Yeah. Um, one, I would, well, did you finish that thought? Yeah, no, no. That was yeah, it. yeah, yeah. One, that another, was so good, David. Yeah, that was really helpful. I think my jaw has dropped a little bit. I'm like, wow, I want to go study that. Yeah, that's, I know what he tells like, I want to like, read that 17. <laughs> um, but what, what, another thing that we do in every sermon, if you've tried to this for a while, is we preach the gospel. Yes. The good news. Yeah. Uh, the story of Jesus coming to earth. Why, why is that? And in, in light of being truth filled from scripture, yeah. being relevant to people, a common denominator that lands in the middle of those two things in every single sermon at the porch is you're going to hear the gospel proclaimed. Why? Well, I think it's a solution to, you know, all the relevant stuff is trying to connect with the human experience that all of us live in the same world. All of us have to go through the, not all the same trials, but we all live in a trial filled life. Yeah. Like we all have challenges. We all have um, uh, not as much money as we want, not as uh, much free time as we'd like. Not as much. I mean, you could go through the list of just common human experience. And often, and further on the common human experience is sin, that we all have something inside of us that's really broken and that leads me to behave and not be the husband I want to be, father I want to be, friend I want to be, boss I want to be, person I want to be. And so all of us can relate to that. And all of us, because of that, have a need for a solution to that. Yeah. And Jesus is the solution to that. Eternally, in terms of uh, ultimately when he restores everything is made new and made right. And right now is the payment for all of the shortcomings and mistakes and sin that is in all of our lives. And so I think we include that in order to, um, because if we're not including that, what else are we doing? Nothing else really matters. And tips and tricks is not what God says. It's the culmination really of what the Bible teaches. So I think we'll try to hit that, but what would y'all add? Yeah, I just wanna, so like, because I know there are a lot of sermons out there that they may preach the gospel mm-hmm. in their sermon and they may not. Would you say as the director of the porch, like, why is it mandatory that we preach the gospel every sermon? Should people who listen to other sermons and other speakers that don't include the gospel in every, should there be, um, is there a problem with that? Um, Cause I also, we're talking about relevance. Like nothing is more relevant to, so like if, if fashion is relevant to me, doesn't mean it's relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Like, but what if you want to be the most relevant church ever, you preach the gospel every sermon because there's nothing more needed and relevant and unison across every single person in the room than the fact that you said they're broken, they lack purpose, and Jesus came to, to fix that that's right. solution. Mm-hmm. And so it's the most relevant thing. And so that's another reason why we do that. And it, and it keeps us super relevant. Yes. And so what would you say though to the person, like sometimes I hear like, yeah, the person is good, but they don't preach the gospel yeah. every sermon. I, um, man, I, I would, uh, I'll give you my knee jerk react. As you were talking, it's not just relevant to every person. I think it's relevant to every scripture. So, you know, when Jesus in Luke chapter 24, he's walking along the road to Emmaus, as you guys know, and he's talking with two guys and 
And they're talking about how Jesus rose from the dead. And he basically says, man, do you guys not know, you foolish or slow to believe every page? And he walks them through and it says from Moses and how all the prophets and the law was all pointing to Jesus, that the Messiah would be killed and three days later he would rise. So Jesus says all of the Old Testament, part one, it's all about me. And so there's a way when you study in all the New Testament, it's all about me. So then you go, man, there is a way that Jesus in every passage, whether it's Leviticus and it's walking through, this is the sacrifices for sin that were required back then. Uh, You could be teaching that and still go, all of these were setting up a need to associate every time there's sin, a sacrifice must be paid. Every time, that's what God was communicating through that law. And so you can connect it that way. Like even the, uh, we did the 10 commandments and this, I never heard this taught on before, but the very first thing after the 10 commandments that's set up, you guys know what it is? No. Say it again. The very first thing after the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20 are given. Ah, no. No. It's an altar. In other words, God says, hey, here's the 10 commandments. Big 10, most important. The next verses is set up an altar. In other words, you're not going to be able to fulfill fulfill perfectly these, and I'm going to give them to you, but there's going to be a requirement for sacrifice that takes place. As a punishment for As, not doing it. Because that. you're not going to, in yeah. other words, I'm giving you a law that I know you're going to break. And when you break yes. it, you need to sacrifice. Exactly. And it points further to an ultimate sacrifice. In other words, you could just comb through in every story how Jonah was in the belly of a well for three days. Most scholars believe he likely was dead and God brought him back to life. Noah, through a piece of wood uh, that he got on, built an ark that got lifted up, that piece of wood as the rain came and it lifted the ark up. And everyone who trusted in that piece of wood that was lifted up was saved. In other words, you could just find it in every place. So I think it's so relevant. Yeah. People who land in a different place, I, I wouldn't throw, because I'm sure there are people who have given, I'm sure I've given sermons where for whatever reason, man, didn't mm-hmm. hit there. But um, I just think, uh, I love that we are so sensitive to that. And I think I think it, it would be better, but I don't want, I'm not going to throw shade. If they're not teaching God's word, they got a problem. But um, if they gave a sermon, are they in sin? I, I don't think so. But, um, but I love the sensitivity. If I give a message, somebody's going to take notes. Hey, you should have shared the gospel here. Or you didn't good emphasize it enough. The thing I thought you were going to say, and I know how much more time, is we also try to emphasize how it works itself out in my life. Every message that's given at the porch, for context, is given a run-through. We don't really that was my time. second question. I was going to tell him to tell him about the process. Oh, yeah. So you can go ahead and do it. Yeah. So uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. is when we preach. At 3 p.m. on Tuesdays, I, or if JD's teaching or whoever's teaching, will give the message just like it's going to be given that night, four hours earlier. The day of. Yeah. Talk about anxiety. <laughs> this dude up here writing books about anxiety and causing it. It's every uh, source of anxiety <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it, uh, hey, man. You... Uh, it makes you better. It's good. It is. Go and time. Everyone's different. Back against the wall. That's that's how I am. I it's like, fun. I, it is fun. I can't do it. You, you hate on it because you're supposed to, but it's like I like the adrenaline rush. Yeah. The people are pouring in. You're like out here writing your sermon. Totally. And, and this happens all the time. I'll give the message, and then we'll go back, and that team, which JD and Laura and different people have been a part of, will say, "Hey, you didn't include how this impacts your own life, or you didn't tell me how this plays itself out. How you don't. How you struggle with this idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's anxiety or money or that." And I think that's important because it it further, it scratches the itch, I don't know, of relevance, but of authenticity, which is relevant to everybody because it just shows like, oh, We're you're all a in human. This. Yeah. We're all in this. You never uh, graduate from your need of the gospel and grace and yes. like, learning 
and like make like making mistakes. Yes. What's really powerful about this process, which I'd never seen until coming here and, and being involved in the porch, is that it's not just one person. Um, like from start to finish, this is my work. This is my thing. Like, yes, you put the majority of the work into it, but you open yourself up to a team of people who are going to speak in and offer perspective and, and critique and say, Hey, this could be better. This could be more clear. And it's so cool as a team effort. Yeah. I always say it's we getting up there, not me. Yes. And what's really, really awesome about that too, since we're talking about preaching and a lot of people here are like, I'm never going to get on a stage and, and preach a message. Um, we also train pastors. Like we don't think that the job of ministry in, in, in a sense of like caring for people's needs and uh, getting on a personal level with people or answering tough questions is only the job of the person on stage. Like totally. mm-hmm. we train all of our volunteers to be pastors, to handle hard conversations, to use illustrations uh, when they're one-on-one in a exactly. conversation. That's what I was um, going to say to make this uh, apl- applicable to your life. I wonder, okay, I'm not a preacher at the porch. Why does this matter to me? Like hopefully you are engaging in conversations with people that need your relevance and need your experiences and need how it's affected you yes. in their life. Laura, you do this better than like anyone. Like every girl I meet, they're like, and then I met Laura. <laughs> and and you do that so well. And like, so like what it looks like for all of us, I'm at coffee with a guy and I'm like, bro, I know when you go, like, think about this. When you went out last weekend to Bottle Blonde or whatever, yeah. like, and I dropped Bottle Blonde, I'm like, uh-huh, the pastor knows about Bottle Blonde. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's go. like, you yeah. drop that and then you're They're like, like gulp? Yeah, and you're like, and you're like, <laughs> why do you go home that night after hooking up with that girl and still feel empty? It's good. And you need to get to the next week of work to just get there and do it again. And it's this revolving wheel of just misery. And like you speak, like they're like, he gets me. Yeah. So many people become Christians and then become so, what's the phrase that's like, you become so spiritually something that you're no earthly good. Oh yeah, yeah. So spiritually minded that you know earthly good or yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so like, heavenly you just minded. It's, it's, it's like with good intent, yeah. but yeah. it gets, it becomes so unattainable and yeah. you think perfection's the aim. And yeah. and it's like, no, you got to stay in the in your constant need Yes. Of of grace and of Jesus yeah. and like in the realization of your sin. And the more you stew on that, the more you're like, okay, I wanna I wanna be able to sit down with people that are where I once was and still understand them, still get them. And like it takes work. Totally. It takes and, work. And the goal yes. is not to be worldly. The goal is to, yeah, to yeah. meet and to be in the world and to reach and and um again, not to be worldly, be like follow Paul's example. And I think and cause this is kind of a behind the scenes. Um, you know, we could even do a new, new subtitle behind the scenes, but, um, I think the other thing that, that is beneficial is in that team process is JD's way cooler than I am. He, I didn't even know what Supreme shirts are (laughs) until uh, JD or Golden Goose or Laura, she brings like a feminine perspective. And hopefully that's encouraging to know every message. I want a female in the room to hear it before it's given to go, this is where where girls, because I don't know everything and all the feels that that a a girl may be walking through and challenges and struggles. I can try to guess, but our passion is to meet people where they are. And so the more people that can help fill in gaps and speak to this is where people are, um, because God, Howard Hendricks said this, and we're about to wrap up. You know Howard Hendricks? No, but I do have one more question. But but All right. um, he he's like the OG of DTS. Okay. Dude, dude, preach. Or I'm sorry, dude. So Dallas Theological Seminary. It's basically a Bible training school. The guy taught till he was 90 with an eye patch, <laughs> and then he went to go be with the Lord. I mean, Stop. bro was like he was a legend. But he would say it is a sin to bore a child yeah. with the Word of God. I think it is a sin to bore an adult or a person with mm-hmm. the Word of God. 
And so that's part of the reason we're so passionate about this. But That may have kind of answered my question. So I literally just talked about how this applies to, or we talked about how this applies to everyone listening, but also, David, uh, now on the flip side of that, I would just love for you to answer this question, or both of y'all can. Why is preaching so important? Uh, I mean, the biblical answer, Romans 10 would be like, uh, you know, how will they hear if no one preaches it to them? Mm -hmm. But um, what about for a mistake? Like, so think if you never knew anything about church context. Yeah. Why is it important that a pastor gets out or somebody stands before the people and like preaches? Communicates God's word? Yeah. It's a command in scripture. Someone's communicating the New Testament and just the truths from God's word and helping equip people that all of us and understanding it. And so it's commanded. And it's um, the model that God through the church has chosen to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to go be the priests and the kingdom of priests, to be the light in their workplace and be where they are. And um, so anything you all to add? No, I, I think just to wrap it up, I I think about how with at the porch, um, one thing that we are committed to also is feedback. Mm. And like, we want people to constantly be sending us, Hey, like we get views from the porch, ask like, Hey, can y'all talk about this every week? Yeah. Hey, can y'all talk about this? Can y'all talk about this? And we love that. So like, keep doing that. If you're listening, like keep doing that because that get, that is, that is you being a part of our ministry. That is you helping us go, Hey, this is what we need to hear. And this is what we're asking. And so um, I just, I just want to end there and say, please continue, like help us in this regard. But also like, I hope this is helpful, not just to like get a behind the scenes only, but like this can impact who you choose to listen to. Like, are they sacrificing the word of God on the altar of love and fun and experience and opinion? Mm. Um, and then how you're speaking, like how you're teaching, are you teaching like Jesus did? Um, are you, are you being both relevant and truthful uh, when you go out and evangelize. It's good, man. I love it. It's good. All right, well, hey, that is it from us. We will see you next time on another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch. 